Project Church. How's everybody doing? As if I wasn't just on stage. But how many people have been enjoying this series, Have It All? Have you been going through your week thinking, I have more than enough? Oh, maybe not. That's okay. We're going to get there. Week four, we're getting there. Um, we're going to be filled with the supply that God, our Father, gives us. And he has an endless, unlimited supply. And so I just want to um, encourage you and thank you for being here today. I love Philippians. And this is the chapter or the book in the Bible that we're studying and we're in the last chapter of this book. And really, this is a, a letter to um, the church of Philippi. And really, Paul is just saying thank you. In the same way that I just talked about Heidi, thank you for your generosity. Because she is able to do what she is supposed to do and called to do. And thank you is what Paul is saying to the church. Because even though he's in prison, it has given him the sustenance to carry on and do the work of the kingdom and spread the gospel. And you know what, church? This is going to be a heavy dose of positivity this morning. You ready for this? I mean, it should be every week. It should be every week. And I think that's what we aspire to. And that's what we're called to because the gospel is good news. I think some of us need to be reminded that God is in a good mood. Can we have that perspective this morning? I believe that's the perspective we're supposed to take on because we have it all. We have it all when the God who loves us and desires to give, it is in his nature to give. And we're going to get to that in just a second. But let me read where we're at right now. We're in Philippians 4, 19 and 20. We've gone through verses 10 through 20. And this fourth week, we're going to um, dig in for some treasure in two verses, Philippians 4, 19 and 20. And again, this is coming from Paul. He's in prison. He's thanking the Philippian church for sending um, Epaphroditus to bring him some um, offerings to help really sustain him while he's in prison. Um, so here we are, Philippians 4, 19 and 20. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Those are two verses, two very powerful verses that we probably say a lot. God will supply every need. And I'm not going to be so naive to think that everybody in here is just like, yes, he is. I think some of us are thinking, really? I haven't seen that in my life. And, you know, I, I'm thinking about this word every and I think about words like always and all, every time. And I think that, you know, being a parent of a seven, five, and three-year-old, that I can't always use a, those words in front of them. Because I'm like, Canaan, every time I say that, you just, you don't listen. You don't listen. And he'll look at me and say, every time, Mom, really? And then the other, this morning, it was just like, I'll, I'll, I'll help you in just a second. I'll show you how to use your yo-yo that you got from your friend last night. I'll show you how to yo-yo in just a second. All right. One Mississippi. It's been a second. You know, so that we have to be really careful with our words with these young little ones, you know, seven, five, and three. And um, my friend was just telling me that my son, Kanan, is just like his dad, who's like super sarcastic in moments. And she's like, oh, my gosh, he's like a mini Caleb because he, like, will challenge you on everything you say and every technicality of a word. So, anyways, that's my son. That's the um, burden I have to carry, guys. But, um but we have it all, and we need to understand that this word all 
And when we talk about God supplying every need, it's true. God is not human, right? God came and revealed himself through Jesus, the human, in order to um, display his glory and his mercy on us. But I, I need us to understand that, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, has to do with our God's endless supply. He can supply every need because he has an endless supply. He is limitless. He is all resource to us. And I want you to be encouraged today. I told you this is going to be loaded with positivity that we can always take heart in every situation because God has all the supply. Somebody say always. Somebody say every. And somebody say all. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He can do everything. He can supply every need. We can use those words even among the children of God and not, like, question God's character. My son can question my character because when I say a second, I mean ten minutes, and hopefully he falls asleep and forgets, you know? So, like, that's the, you can't really totally trust my character. But we can trust God's character. We can trust God's God's nature. So if you're feeling discouraged today, if you're feeling tired today, if you're feeling anxious today, if you are depressed today, if you feel depleted today, if you feel drained, God wants you to take heart. He has overcome the world. Take heart this morning. And I want to read you Isaiah 41.10, and I quote this often. I quote this often in my mind because there are fears that surround us when, we, when we're depressed, depleted, anxiety-ridden, and, and just drained. Isaiah 41, 10, and somebody needs to write this on their mirror, pin this on their wall, in their cubicle. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the righteous right hand. He's so good. In order to understand our supply, though, we need to understand God's nature. If God's the one with all of the supply, we need to understand God's nature. And so there's a verse in Acts, Acts 17, 24, 25, before I get to Philippians. And I want you to see that this really, truly um, encapsulates who God is and how he is our supply. And this is um, Paul talking, and he is going into the city of Athens, and he's um, going and walking around the city, and he's seeing all these statues that have been erected and all these temples that have been built in order for people to worship, and they're like kind of fighting over which God is greater than the other, and this is what Paul says in response to Athens. He says this, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, thank you Jesus, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Paul is saying that he is greater and he is more unique than any other God that you see in the temples and every other statue that is, is lifted up in Athens. He is unique because he is not served by human hands. Other gods, this world, everything that we build in this world is served by our human hands, by our work, by what we can do, by what we can serve, or how we can do things. But what Paul is saying is that God above all other gods, is not served by human hands as though he needed anything. He doesn't need anything. 
That's the point. God has no need. Write it down in your Bible right now. God has no need. He is our supply. And here's the thing. Since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything, when we recognize that God has no need, we recognize that he, is, he isn't served by us. You know, sometimes when we, when we go into these things like Hope Week, we're like, come on, sign up and serve. You know, I think some of us can take on this, this thought of like, yeah, better serve. Church needs me. I am needed. And I mean, I'm, I'm, we, you are needed, like honestly, because just the five of us on staff can't do it all by ourselves. So you are needed, but I want you to know that God does not need you. He can do everything, but he gives us the honor and he performs the miracle of working through a human person to do the work of the kingdom. The fact that he uses a human, an imperfect, broken vessel to do his good work is a miracle in and of itself. So if you think that you've never seen a miracle in your life, every person that signed up for Hope Week and did and fulfilled a project is a miracle in and of itself. So we serve a God who doesn't need human hands, but he allows us to partner with him and he exalts himself above any other God who has needs, who needs people to give to him, who needs the reassurance that people can worship him. Does that make sense? God has no need. He is by nature a God who gives. It says this in verse 25, since he himself gives to all mankind... He didn't, he wasn't served by human hands. He was giving to human, all human hands. He gives life and breath and everything. So that's God. God has no need. But how can really, really understand this great thing of God? He's such a mysterious thing. And even the Bible continues to tell us over and over, there's this mystery of God. And the mystery of God is solved, and we talked about this in Colossians over over the summer, if you remember. The God of infinite wisdom and power poured all of himself into a human person so that he can reveal himself in ways that we can understand. And so what did God do? He gave his only son. He loved us so much. He loved us so much that he gave his only son to us. So everything of God's nature and everything of his perfection was poured into a human, and that's Jesus. And what do we learn from Jesus? And how can we understand God's supply through Jesus? Mark 10, 45 says this, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, sometimes I think we get it wrong when we're like, I'm going to do it for Jesus. Jesus doesn't need us. He doesn't need a PR company, right? He doesn't need us, really. And you know what he came to do, though? He didn't come to be served in the same way that God doesn't need us, but he came to serve. He came to serve us, to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, that is a miracle, a God that, a God who is highly exalted doesn't need us. I, I think that's pretty incredible. The Son of Man came from heaven not to be served. No, the Son of Man came to service specifically by giving his life and paying a debt that we owe. We owe him everything. Think about every sin that we've ever committed in the past 
that we're committing now, in the future, you're like, I'm pretty sure I'll probably commit a sin, right? Like, all of that is forgiven because of what Christ did on a cross for us. This is the gospel. This is the good news. So here's the thing about Jesus and what he showed us about God's supply is that what we can't do for ourselves, which is live forgiven and forgive ourselves and work our way up to perfection, what we can't give ourselves and do for ourselves, Jesus will do for us. Jesus did for us. He gave his life on a cross for us as a ransom for many. We can always take heart in every situation because God has all the supply. And we understand that through Jesus. Amen? And so I want us to look at this word supply. This word supply means to make full, to fill up, or to render full. In order for us to take heart, I believe that it means that we need our hearts to be filled today. We need to have our hearts filled today. And I don't know what that means for you. If you're feeling depressed, um, broken, tired, depleted, anything that you might be feeling today, God wants to fill your heart with healing, with understanding, with revelation, and with a perspective change. That is how our hearts will be full. So how do we take heart? We allow God, the God of endless supply, to fill our hearts. I wish I, I had every intention of bringing a big vase. And God, it, God wants to fill our vase. God wants to fill our cup. God wants to fill our hearts to brim over. And so that we can be to the place where we can live in the overflow. So let's allow God to fill our hearts today by taking heart. Take heart. Whenever you see those words, what does it mean to take heart? What does that mean? It means to fill your heart with God's goodness. The way that God filled Jesus with all of who he was. And Jesus and the revelation of who he is will cause us to be filled up. Will cause us to be healed. Will cause us to be understanding. Will cause us to have the right perspective. The heavenly perspective. Are you with me today? All right, so how can I take heart today? Number one, receive the supply that God has for you. Receive the supply that God has for you. God's supply, you know, so you're thinking, okay, I have like, um, I go paycheck to paycheck. What supply are you talking about, you know? I'm there with you. You know, like, what, what supply? And you know what God's supply is? God's supply are his promises. And he promises us joy, her joy. He promises us peace. He promises us um, love, joy, peace, um, gentle. He promises us so much. Philippians 4.19 is a promise you can take to the bank. Somebody say, take it to the bank. Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours. Every need of yours, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You know, some of us are like, man, God, when are you going to come through for me? What's the supply that Chrissy's talking about? What, what is this overflow? You know, when I'm depleted and when I'm tired, my love tank or my heart is feeling empty. My heart is feeling empty. So a few questions I have for you. If your heart is feeling empty, um, what, are you, what are you filling it with? What do you need to fill it with? 
So here's what happens when we're, like, we don't see God coming through and our supply is depleted and we're tired and we're anxious and we're, we're not feeling good about life. We need to fill it with community. We need to fill it with some people who have full tanks and they're overflowing, so they need to flow into us. And I am unashamed to be like girls, like some of my girls that I Marco Polo with or that I'm texting or I'm, I call or I have friendships with. I have no shame in being like, I am feeling low. I need some prayer. And I need your overflow in my life. So if you don't have community, then you're not willing to receive God's supply. If community is the heart of this church, and you don't have it, your heart's probably going to be empty. It's got to be running low. I'm not saying you can't get community outside of this church, but I want you to know if you're in this church and you committed to this church and you call Project Church your home, community is our heart. And please, I implore you to contribute to the heart of the church because you're needed. Okay, Jesus doesn't need us, but you are needed, all right? I hope you guys are understanding that that difference. But... Receive the supply that God has for you. Receive the people around you. Receive them. Allow them to speak into your life. Allow them to strengthen you, to challenge you. Community is necessary. That's how we're going to receive. That's how we're going to receive the supply that God has for us. And some of us just need to get to the point that we just ask God to fill us. Sometimes we're filling our hearts with whining and complaining and discontentment. And that's what our heart is filled with. And when we are, when we are trying to live in the overflow, all that's spilling out of our hearts is bitterness. All that's spilling out of our hearts is victimization. Nobody loves me. Nobody likes me. And I wonder if the isolation that we've put ourselves in is causing us to be depleted so we can't receive anything, nor can we live in the overflow. And if we are living in the overflow, it's negative. Do you know those people in your life? Or it's like, I know that my conversation with you is probably going to be negative. You're going to be complaining about something. And you're going to be whining about something. And everybody else did something wrong to you. I, I think some of us need to recognize that. That victim mentality and that victim spirit on people. Because they need love and they need to be filled with something else. And, okay, that's another. That, that, they don't, don't need to talk about that. But I want you to know that God wants to fill you with community. God wants to fill you with love, and he wants you to ask him. How do we know if God is really moving in our life if we never ask him for what we need? I mean, how do we know that we're, we're, God's giving us anything if we're never asking for what we want to receive, right? We have not because we ask not. So you are going to be, will, you're going to be ready to receive the supply that God has for you the moment you ask. That's another promise. That's another promise. You have not because you ask not. Ask and it will be given to you. Knock and the door will be opened to you, right? So that's the word of God. That's the promise. And that's how we will receive the supply that God has for us. And we can take heart in that. Amen? Number two, resist discontentment by comparison. I mean, you all know this. I feel like we talk about comparison a lot. I feel like this world talks about comparison a lot. But I think that we're not recognizing comparison in the framework of living in the overflow. When we recognize that we have it all, we recognize that we are a powerful person. 
But sometimes when we're living not in overflow, but we're living in lack, we feel like we should be the only person who is powerful. So the people around us, if they are, um, we're okay with being around them because they don't seem as powerful. But if there's another powerful person in the room, it's like, whoa, what do I do? What do I do? Oh, my gosh, does that mean that I really have what I have? Maybe there's a lack in me. Oh, my goodness. And here's the thing. Here's the promise of God. God created us to all be empowered Christ followers and to be able to um, move and operate in the spirit and have all authority. Like, that wasn't just for a few of us. That wasn't just for the leaders of the church. That wasn't just for the people who are serving on the usher team. That's not just for the people who are serving in the kids. It's for all of us, right? So it, the, all authority is for all of us. So what God wants to do is have powerful people representing him in the room, a lot of them. But what happens is sometimes we're not comfortable with more powerful people in the room. And when that happens, we have a hard time celebrating the powerful people in the room. And when something good happens to somebody else, and we start, we're actually living more in a lack, and we aren't walking in the authority that we are full of much, and that God wants to fill his people. So you can, I can be over here. You can have a lot. You can be powerful. You can be powerful. You can be powerful. Everybody in this room needs to be powerful because we are representing a God of infinite, unlimited supply. We all want to be powerful. We all want to be full. But what happens sometimes, we need, we get into discontentment. We need to resist the discontentment by comparison. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. The church of Corinthians was having issues with like, you're more spiritual than I am. No, he's more spiritual. Oh, he's doing that. Oh, there's something wrong with him. And there's all this like, you know, judging each other and weights and measures and like trying to determine by human standards who's more powerful and who's more spiritual. And this is what Paul says to them. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Let me read in the message just to clarify because it's a little confusing if you don't read the whole thing. He says this. Isn't everything you have and everything you are sheer gifts from God? So what's the point of all this comparing and competing? You already have all you need. You already have more access to God than you can handle. Let's stop comparing. Let's stop competing because we have it all. He wants us to have it all. He wants you to have it all. He wants you to have it all. You to have it all. You have it all. I, I just want to be Oprah. Oprah doesn't have an endless supply. God has endless supply. Amen. That was so cheesy, but I'm glad I got a cheer. Woo! All right. So resist the discontentment by comparison. Let's all encourage one another to celebrate one another, to encourage one another, empower one another, and let's all be powerful people. Because when we're powerful people and carry all authority, we're more attractive to this world, and people will be attracted to Jesus. Number three, redefine your need. Redefine your need. How many people remember learning in elementary, maybe junior high, Maslow's hierarchy of needs? I just love it. You know, when you read this verse, and my God will supply every need, sometimes our needs become whims. They just become these like, oh, I need a car. Ooh, I need this. I need that. Ooh, I need a husband tomorrow. You know, like different things like that. And, and I want us to kind of shift our perspective. 
that's what, you know, understanding that God is our supply and taking heart is. It's shifting our perspective a little bit about what our need actually is. And we, some of us in this room, need to redefine our needs. We've got, let me, let me show you this. Let me just teach you for a second. Psycho- psychology 101. We've got some basic needs, physiological needs and safety needs, right? Physiological is food, water, warmth, rest. Safety needs, security and safety. And then we move up to psychological needs, esteem needs, prestige and feeling of accomplishment, belongingness and love needs, intimate relationships, friends. We should just mark that community. And then the, high, uh, the other need is self-actualization, achieving one's full potential, including creative activities. And we say that these are our needs. And I just want to reframe this because I, I want you to just think about some of the basic needs that you have. Just basic needs. And some of us are getting to the place where we want whatever looks better than the other person. I mean, that's kind of like an overflow from my last point. But I want us to reframe what we actually need and understand that God is our supplier of every single one of these stages. Of all of our basic needs, all of our psychological needs, and all of our self-fulfillment needs. It's not a job. It's not a career. It's not a person, except for Jesus. (laughs) He is our supply. So... You don't have to go these, I'm just going to, you don't need to have to, you don't have to turn to this, but I'm just going to read it to you. Physical needs. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul, who gives food to the hungry. God's my supplier. Security needs. Psalm 16, 8. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be fearful. I shall not be shaken. Security need filled. Social need. Psalm 68, 6. God sets the lonely into families. He gives us belonging. He gives us the family of God. That's the third belongingness community. God is my supplier. Self-esteem needs. Psalm 139, 13 through 14. For you were formed in your mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. If you're struggling with your self-esteem today, no man, no woman, no person, no career, no Instagram account is going to tell you that you're good enough. God is enough. He's our supplier of that need. Self-actualization provides Proverbs, excuse me, 16.3. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Stop striving. Stop, stop turning your wheels. God is our supplier. We don't have to turn our, needs, or turn our wheels anymore. We can just rest in the goodness of our God, our supplier of every need. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Your strength and your goodness is enough for me. Amen. Philippians 4.8, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Sometimes our wants become our needs because we're thinking about the wrong things. You want to know the metric that we have or, or the, the gauge that we have to understand what our needs actually are? Philippians 4.8, just a few verses up. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if any, there be any praise, think on these things. Your needs are things that are true. Do you need to have a million dollars today? That is not a need. Somebody said yes. 
I mean, it would be nice. But when we can shift our perspective and understand that already we have everything that we need, we realize that, oh, man, what I have is enough. That's true. That's true. Think on those things. That's true. That's honest. That's a good report from heaven. We have all we need. And that he is going to supply every single one of our needs according to his riches and glory. That's the truth. Philippians 4.8 will help us and understand. Sometimes redefining your needs means realigning your needs with God's wants. Matthew 6.8, your father knows what you need before you ask him. We will be able to redefine our needs the moment our knees hit the ground and we look to heaven and we magnify him over every other issue, over every other um, uh, deficit that we have. When we can magnify him over everything and shift our perspective and fall to our knees, we recognize that, God, you have already supplied my needs. You know what I actually need. So just make my heart aligned with your wants in Jesus' name. That's how we're going to redefine our needs. Number four, resolve to serve the Lord by serving others. Resolve to serve the Lord. This is how you're going to take heart. This is how you're going to take heart. Take heart for God has overcome the world. We need to get to the point where we recognize that our effort is being supplied by God. Let me read something to you. Actually, I don't have it on here, so I'm going to skip that. Okay. That's all right. Every time you put toward effort to serve God, whatever you do in his name, your effort is being supplied by God. And, and there's this verse. Um, it says, cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. And sometimes I think we're so full of our own stuff, so full of our own anxiety, so full of our own problems that we can't serve other people. But, you know, even experts in... Um, psychology, therapists, everybody and, and family, they will tell you, you know, if you're just focused on what you're having issue with, maybe you just need to serve somewhere. Because you know what happens when you serve? It's not because, it's not like this magical thing that humankind man, or mankind can understand. It's this thing that God will receive all the stuff that you ha have all the anxiety, all the anxiousness, all the depression, all the depletion, all the, you know, all the stuff that you have. He'll take it on himself and exchange that for strength and give it to you to start filling you, filling you with his goodness so that you can serve other people. Do you see that exchange? Do you understand that exchange? That God, if, when we resolve to serve the Lord by serving others, then we are not serving ourselves anymore. And sometimes we can be so full of ourselves and so full of what we're going through that we're, we don't take heart anymore. We're, just, we're so full of just ourselves that we don't even know how to take heart. We're so tired and so depleted. But God wants to say, cast your cares on me. Cast your cares on me. Unload what you filled in your heart that is not good, that is whining, that is complaining, that is sadness, that is depression. He said he wants you to take all that, cast it on him for he cares for you. And when you serve other people, it's like every time you serve somebody else, you're not thinking about yourself. You're unloading something in your own heart that's 
not good. You're unloading. Every time I serve you, I'm unloading something bad in my heart. Every time I serve Tara, I'm, I, every time I spend time with her and I know that she's going to fill my love tank, I'm like not thinking about just myself anymore. Although I talk to you a lot about myself. Anyway, um, we need to understand also that waiting on God for him to do something in our hearts means activity. We need to be doing something. We need to be doing something, exerting effort and energy into serving him and his kingdom. It's productive. It's productive. And finally, respond with praise. I love how verse 20, it says this, to God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. And what Paul is saying here is that Everything that the Philippian church, the church of Philippi, gave him, it's worthy to be praised. <laughs> Everything that he gave him, that he can recognize that God enabled the church to give to him. So God gets all the credit. God gets all the glory. The church doesn't get the glory. God gets the glory. And that's the whole point. That's the whole point of Hope Week. That's the whole point of serving. That's the whole point of doing church. That's the whole point of having community in our heart, that God would be glorified. That's the goal. That's the goal. And when we can, when we can rejoice and praise and worship and just say thank you and just be still like the words of the song Defender say, when we can just praise him, God will do the rest. He will supply every single need that we have. He is our great supplier. He is our sufficiency. We have it all because he has it all. We can take heart and he will supply every single one of our needs all the time. And if you haven't seen it yet, if you haven't seen the specific thing that you've been praying for, you're like, I have it out because I ask not. I ask all the time and you still haven't seen it. I promise you, you can take his promises in the word to the bank. That is his supply. You can trust that he's going to supply an answer, supply what you need in the future. I mean, I think about that in my own life. I think about that with this building that we're going to be talking about in a couple weeks. You know, we, a year and a half ago, we're asking God for a building and then we're like praying, we're praying over these buildings, we're, we're about to get into these leases and we're about to sign papers and then the door shuts. And you know, we can do one of two things. We can be really despondent and discouraged or we can say, God, you supply all my needs and you promised us a building and so I'm gonna trust you and have faith that you're gonna do it in your timing and guess what happened? A year and a half later, we are in escrow for a new building. But what would you have done if Caleb and I just were like, it's not going to happen, guys. Wah, wah. Debbie Downer is my favorite gif to use sometimes on my texts. But what if we were like that? Would you want to be here? <laughs> and what if, like, our leadership team was just like, oh, not going to happen. We're going to set up forever, guys. Set up a teardown forever. Every Sunday morning, 5 a.m. alarm. Every Sunday for the rest of it. I mean, some of us, our hearts are filled with that kind of energy. And when, when we ask God, say, God, use us, please use us, all that we have in our hearts is 
despondency. All that's in our heart is bitterness. All that's in our heart is just depression. All that's in our heart is just discouragement. What is in your heart? What are you filling yourself with? God is our supply, and he wants to supply you with his goodness, with his faith, with his hope, so that when we say, Jesus, you have filled me, when he gives us that one more revelation, our heart overflows, and we're actually able to give something good. We are called to be a church that gives to a community. We're called to give us hope. But if we are filled with ourselves and we are filled with despondency and we are filled without faith, we're empty, we have nothing to give. So God wants to fill you today. He wants to shift your perspective and help you understand. He is your supply. You haven't seen it, but he promised it in his word. You haven't seen it, but it's coming your way. Fill your heart with faith. Fill your heart with hope. His word is true. We can take it to the bank. In Jesus' name. He is our supply. He is our supply. Come on, church. Let's believe that he's going to do greater things in us because that is a promise in his word. He is going to come through in those areas that you've been praying for. He will come through. I don't know what it is, but I know what my God says. I know what his word says, and it says that he will supply every need according to his riches and glory. He is a giver. He's not a taker. He doesn't need anything from us. Do you know this? God doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't owe us anything. He's not a God like all the other gods who needs man hands to serve him. No, he is a God that said, I love the world so much that I gave my only son. And some of us just need to recognize that, that Jesus is our supply. And when once we receive it to our, him into our lives, that we are filled with joy, love, and hope, and everything that overflows from it is good. So I believe that in this place, there's somebody who needs a revelation of who Jesus is in their life. The people who have a revelation of God's goodness and his relationship that brings you love and joy and peace and patience in the waiting that he's got to fulfill the promises and he's got to fulfill the needs that we have in the future. Some of us need that revelation in Jesus' name today. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to know you. He wants to fill you with his love because he doesn't want to take anything from you. He doesn't need anything from you. We owe him everything, but he said, you may owe me something, so I don't care. I'm just going to give you more. That is the nature of my God. And that's the nature of Jesus. And he wants to be in your life. Why don't we bow our heads in this place? Thank you, Jesus.